0: I love feeling feelings and bible delving and feeling one with the universe or something I don't know mm-hmm. feeling is feeling is good but it's mostly cuz I just I've always been an outsider and I have a very vivid imagination
1: That was comedian and mutiny radio DJ Pam Benjamin I'm Jeff and this is story San Francisco Before we dig into this episode I just wanted to say that Michelle and I express our support and solidarity for our LGBTQIA friends and fellow San Franciscans during Pride Month and all year round. Okay, welcome to episode 15. In this podcast, Pam walks us through the story of her life, from its beginnings in the East Bay, down to San Diego a couple times, and finally, to her home of 14 years, San Francisco. These days, Pam runs Mutiny Radio. She'll tell us about her time with the station, which includes a visit from Anthony Bourdain and a change in ownership and operations. Here's Pam.
0: So, what brought me to San Francisco, eventually... I mean, as a child, I used to come in on the weekends and stuff, and it was very exciting, and my dad used to work in the city at the newspaper agency, which was the Chronicle Examiner, and and so he was right there on 5th Street. And I'd come in as a kid, and I just thought it was... So exciting. Yeah. Uh, But then as an adult, I got into graduate school finally. So I came here 13 years ago to go to San Francisco State and get some master's degrees.
1: Common thread on our show. There's a lot of – it all goes back to SF State. I love it. I went there too.
0: Oh, well, and I loved – so that was the thing about SF State. I wanted to get a master's in writing, but I didn't want to just – I lived in San Diego at the time, and I wanted to go to the best school that I could in California, and it's for writing. It's San Francisco State. So I came up here. Got a couple of master's degrees, and I was I was never gonna leave. Right. Yeah, and then I started comedy, and then and I right when I moved here, I started doing radio when it was Pirate Cat here Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. building now which is Mutiny. So I've been with this particular building since 2008. So I mean I love I never want to leave San Francisco. I love it so much. Yes. (laughs) I'm like what can I do to stay? I love it here forever. Do you
1: ever have that feeling you're like I might be the last one.
0: (laughs) That still loves it? No I think there's well it's exciting.
1: No that the last one left.
0: (laughs) Oh right. Well I always knew I'd thrive in the apocalypse. I kind of feel yeah. like I am legend. I will stay here. I will. I the, will eat pigeons. The world <laughs> caught up with you. Well, <laughs> yeah. I. I always thought I wanted to call it. You know, the pandemic. I was like, this is great. Uh, yeah. I'm. I've always. I've been kind of waiting for the the pandemic to happen, yeah. and it, it was fine. It, yeah. I mean, I was always poor, so everyone else right. came down to my level. I was like, yeah. <laughs> now we're all in the same. Same place. But yeah, I grew up on, um, I was born in Livermore, so I'm a Livermore on um, 1974, quite some time ago, and um, I've never lived outside of California. Okay. And I... D- I just don't know. I lived, you know, I lived in San Diego for a while. I lived in Davis for a while, but I came back to the Bay Area because I love it here. Even yeah. my family disappeared. I just, now, like, oh. this is my, not like disappeared. They just moved, you know, like they left the Bay Area. Yeah. So they they went far flung. But I'm never, I'm never leaving.
1: So in the sense of your family, you are the last one I'm the here. last one, yeah. Sure. Um, okay, yeah. C- can we make this about you now?
0: Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we I do. hate talking about myself. I never yeah. do that on stage.
1: But you are the the subject matter expert of your life story am I right sure sure sure
0: do you know how your parents ended up around here or like yeah um they both worked in the city and they had moved here Uh, my father grew up in Redwood City and my mother grew up in Illinois and then she moved to San Francisco to work and I guess she met my father in a in an elevator on Leavenworth Street? I like uh, like okay. in a in an apartment building we right. were going he was going to someone's house and she was in the she had her apartment there and it was on like Leavenworth and Post or something. And they met in the elevator. I guess. Love in an elevator. (laughs) Yeah, love in an elevator in like 1960 something, nine or whatever, yeah. Oh,
1: that's an interesting time to come to San Francisco for work. Right. Am I right? Not a lot of people's reasons to come here then.
0: But they were not hippies by any stretch of the imagination. they were were, No, they are not at all. They were like, I don't know what, I don't know what they were, but they're definitely, they're very Republican now. So I don't know what they were then, but they're not, they definitely are not hippies, not call me pinko liberals like me. Right. (laughs) But they met here and then decided to get married and moved to the East Bay, and can we know, say' where? a house? yeah, um, so I guess first they lived in Pleasanton and then they lived in, then they moved to Danville. I grew up in Danville, okay. oh my God soul sucking wasteland of Lexus's. Yes. but I know it was like poor little rich girl i was so I was raised in Danville, which is a terribly wealthy place, mm-hmm. and but everyone else was so much richer than me that I thought we were poor, right, so I didn't understand. I just didn't understand <laughs> that everyone was rich, and I was like, oh, I only got a Hyundai for my birthday. <laughs> I didn't get a BMW or a Mustang like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I got a new car. What am I complaining about? Was it racially diverse? <laughs> we, had, we had four. Okay, so we had four African-American students in my class. One of them was Randy Wynn, who went on oh, to yeah. play for the Mariners and then the, and then the Giants. The Giants,
1: and on, uh, he's a commentator he's for a the commentator Giants. He's a commentator now, day. yeah.
0: And so he was actually, he graduated the same year I did, and I funny story so I was a cheerleader and he played basketball all the time and I had he's very tall he was very tall I had a very big crush on him and so I'm coming off of El Cerro. I'm in a car with my mother I'm like 16 years old and I say to her I have kind of have a crush on Randy Wynn and she's like the first thing out of her mouth is don't you ever marry a black man oh mom <laughs> oh mom uh, so what did I do no. and when I was 25 I got married to a black, a black guy man. oh yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. so I was married for I was with Um, he was like my college sweetheart. We were, we were together for 13 years, married for seven. Awesome. So I used to be like, um, a bourgeois corporateer back in the day. Okay. And, um.
1: You said cheerleader. I was, yes. Can we I talk was, about, can yes. we talk other, about uh, more stuff about sure. growing up? yeah.
0: So I was a cheerleader. Like high school level? High school or? cheerleader, oh, yeah. I was shit. a varsity cheer. And the only reason I did it is it was reverse stalking because I liked, so I liked Todd Benatar, and he was incidentally the nephew of Pat Benatar. I was just going to say that name. Yeah. What? Yeah, and yeah. He's so, and he's in the family. Okay. She lived in Blackhawk, and so his family lived there, whatever. So I had a huge crush on Todd Benatar, and I was like, oh. <gasps> I can reverse stalk. If I'm there first, (laughs) it's not stalking. So if I'm a cheerleader, I'm around them all the time, and this will be great. Like, I'll meet all the boys, and all the boys will like me, and it'll be so fun. And then every Friday after the games, like basketball is Tuesday, Thursday, but... Um, Fridays were football games yes. and after the games I'd be like standing around with the rest of the cheerleaders and I'd be like where's the party where's the party and they'd be like well there's no party and then on Monday everybody would be talking about the party Oh and was, like, man! I'm a cheerleader I'm supposed to be popular now what, yeah. what is happening with my life so it was but nobody likes to know it all and nobody's like invite me to the Party, invite me to the party. So yeah. that was that was like my that was my
1: youth. I love that that was your motivation for
0: cheerleading. Yeah, of course. Um, Short I, skirts. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's warmer class. over there than yeah. it is in yeah. the city. But right? in the, in the winter time. We wore our little skirts. We had to wear our little outfits to school on the day of the game. Right. And we, I still fit in my cheerling outfits, by the way. I love to wear them. Any excuse to wear them, I'm like, ha, 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 I still fit in that. But tiny little skirts. And it was wintertime. It was cold, and we just had to go. And they'd say, oh, don't wear nylons. Make sure that your legs are bare? just bare. And oh I was like, dude. why are we doing this? So it was. Yeah.
1: Maybe because Danville. Maybe because bit. Danville. Or America. Danville's a little more like America. Than, well, and this right. was
0: the early 90s. So like, yeah. you know, massaging didn't exist. And girls walk. I mean, it was just like <laughs> invitation to objectify me. Yeah. Which, I don't know. But that was what I was kind of looking for. I was like, I want these guys to objectify me. But right. they were just playing basketball. They weren't actually interested in the cheerleaders. Right. So that was, that was fun.
1: Are you, quick side note, are you going to help us get Randy Wynn on the show? <laughs>
0: <laughs> He'll remember me. He'll remember me from high school. Absolutely, I have no uh, doubt in my That'd be a mind. trip.
1: My fiance would freak <laughs> out. She, she used to work for the Giants. grew up a Giants fan, so, and she loves Randy. Wynn.
0: Yeah, he's. Uh, he looks pretty much exactly the same. He uh, He looks like he's 22
1: or something. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I like him too, yeah. for the record.
0: But, yeah, um, so I. But, yeah. I was. I still so. One of I cheer I used to love cheerleading and they want they went to the Arco Arena twice. Our basketball team was really good. They like won the Division One that finals. That was in Sacramento, right? Yeah, Arco yeah, okay. Arena. Okay. And, okay. and so I got to cheer in Arco Arena, which was really exciting. But yeah. then one of my favorite favorite stories is when I got to cheer in Arco Arena as an adult, and it was 1997, and I won tickets to a Smashing Pumpkins concert. I won tickets to the front row at Arco Arena. And I was so excited. I was freaking out. And I was so excited because I just won them walking around. I'd heard about the quad spies, quad spies. Anyways, (laughs) so I win the tickets and I'm losing my mind. And I get down to the front and garbage was opening, which I love.
1: love And it was
0: Smashing Pumpkins. And I love the Smashing Pumpkins. That's a great bill. And so I know, right? So I'm down in the front row. And my now ex-husband, he's there, and I'm like, I'm so excited. And we had seen the Cow Palace show, and it was terrible. They had to end early because people were moshing, and it was terrible, and they were upset. So we bought tickets. Anyway, so we're there, and I'm on one side, and he's on the other. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this side yell smashing, and you're going to make this side yell pumpkins. He's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I was (laughs) like, we're doing this. You get over there, and we're doing this. So I get up in front, and I'm like... The Smashing guys were in San Francisco and it sucked. And we're going to bring them out and make them so happy. This side's going to yell, Smashing, that side's going to yell, Pumpkins. So literally. it starts with the people in the front, Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins. I made a sold out Arco Arena. I'm not even fucking with yes. you. The entire Arco Arena is screaming, Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins come out. Billy Corgan's like, we've never been brought on stage like yeah. this. We're going to have the best show we've ever had. Hell and yeah. they just go. And I was like, I did that. I
1: did that. You literally led the cheer. I did. In a huge auditorium, the, yeah, and it sold
0: awesome. out. I was so happy. I was like, "This is my cheerleading. This is what my whole life was training it led for." Led
1: up to that. That's fucking yeah, awesome. So
0: that's like a childhood story. But that's from the '90s, I'm so old now that even the stories in the '90s are childhood stories. That's okay. So. We're, we're
1: old too. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and the, the last four years aged all of us. Um, but did you? So did you have siblings? Do you I, have siblings? I do. I
0: have an older brother, but he's also. Um, Extremely Republican, Republican and okay. very religious. Yeah. Uh, and my my upbringing was very very Jesus centric. Okay. So I was super 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 religious. It kind of checked like, all the boxes.
1: It sounds like jealous. the white white rich Republican and Christian.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And like oh it was singing for the choir and the whole thing like okay. just being really involved in church. And, yeah. You know, I didn't drink or smoke or do anything fun till college, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. I was really clandestine. And no wonder no one wanted to invite me to the parties because there's – no one wants to bring the stick in the mud. They're like, well, she doesn't have any fun. I'm like, I do. Let's sing songs to God. Come on. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. I would, never, I would never do that at a party. I would probably be scared and hang in the back and be like, everyone's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but no, I grew up with Jesus. And it was weird because when I was little, I've always had a very vivid imagination. So, of course, Christianity was perfect for me. (laughs) But I wanted to have an invisible cat friend when I was like seven or eight, like Mm -hmm. a four-foot-tall, fluffy, invisible cat friend. Mm -hmm. And my parents were like, no, you cannot have an invisible cat friend. But you can be best friends with a 33-year-old man. Uh, will sit right. on your bed every night and you can talk to him about <laughs> boys you can hold his hand and and now they wonder why I have a beard fetish but they're like I loved I loved Jesus so
1: much you can take long walks on the beach with our friend right he yeah.
0: gives you piggybacks <laughs> the footsteps in the sand like, he was carrying me the whole time I'm like Jesus I want to kiss you on the face
1: yeah uh, but it sounds like you were into it oh, for so a windy. while yeah, yeah oh
0: I well I love feeling feelings and mm-hmm. bible delving and feeling mm-hmm. one with the universe or something. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. feeling is feeling is good. But mm-hmm. it's mostly because I just I've always been an outsider and I have a very vivid imagination. Mm. So, you know, hence crushes on boys that will never, never. like me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, and going to them to be stalked.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, it's the same thing. I kind of had a crush on my mailman for a while, but I was like, oh. he comes to me. Yeah, so it can't be stalking. <laughs> like right. it's not.
1: <laughs> He's there for He's other coming reasons. to me,
0: yeah. So no, I'm a terror. I was, I was a weird like I've, I've always written poetry. I've always written in a, I have like my first journal from when I was seven still, yes. and my very first entry is about boys. Like it's seriously about being at my brother's baseball game and staring at Jordan is <laughs> so cute, and I'm going to all my brother's baseball games and getting a suicide soda and sit there. And oh, suicide Jordan.
1: sodas,
0: right? And I it's like relate. my first entry when I was seven. Yeah. So you saw my brother's. brother's older incredibly successful wife kids right like really house looks like a pottery barn you know they open it up there's never any dirt or cat hair even though they have multiple cats it's like
1: i don't get it no i Not the, li- well, the lifestyle, but also the, the cleanliness that you're talking about. I've experienced that, and I'm like, wow.
0: They pay for a house, they're rich enough to have a house cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just but like five minutes
1: in the Bay Area, you have a collection of dust. Come on. That's true. How- and
0: I live downtown, so like Geary Street just throws dirt yes. in the air, like just black dust all over my world. Yes. But that's fine. I've to love it.
1: Did your brother also leave the Bay Area like your parents? Yeah,
0: he's up in Seattle. Okay. That area up in Washington, San Francisco Light. Right. Yeah. But no fun. All suburban. Yeah. yeah. All just like singing yeah. songs to God on the guitar with the kids and going to church and. Okay. Wow. Hanging out with their rich friends, drinking expensive wine. You know. Yeah. So that's credits. the
1: Benjamins. Yeah,
0: the Benjamins. Okay. They've got. They've got all the Benjamins.
1: It was just you and your brother yeah, as you far as kids. Brother. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what about um, friends growing up in, in Danville? Did you have a crew, um, or did like did you find other? You you called yourself an outcast. <laughs> Did you have other outcast friends or?
0: Kind of in high school, but I've, I've pretty much been a lone wolf because mm. I went to Christian school from kindergarten through like almost the end of seventh grade. And mm-hmm. the very first year in kindergarten, it was awful. Um, I had a teacher, Mrs. Mowers. God, I hope she's dead. <laughs> and she, seriously, she was yeah. so mean. And yeah. I remember being five, four or five, because I was young when I got into that kindergarten, and we all do memorize Bible verses. When you memorized a Bible verse, everyone get an ice cream cone, little tiny ice cream cone. Yes. But I memorized my Bible verse, and she gave me graham crackers, and she pulled <laughs> me aside, and she's like, fat little girls don't ever get anywhere in the world. You oh should really eat the graham crackers. God. Now, the irony is that graham crackers and the ice cream cone probably had the same amount of calories. Right. But what it did is it separated me from the class, and it did make me an outsider, because the teacher basically fat shamed me in front of the whole class. Dude. So then I was like, different. Yeah. And I'm the one who did the Bible verse, and formed it and did so great and I didn't get the ice cream. What the hell? Right. So that was like the beginning of weirdness with Christianity of you have to be a certain way for God to love you. You have to be a certain way for people to love you. That's and it has a lot to do with the way you look, which is weird because it's supposed to be about like your spirit or your soul. And then at the same time I was getting this very like external Kate Moss, be skinny. Although that's way before Kate Moss. That's like maybe the Twiggy age. And they're like, be- right. no one listens to you unless you're skinny and pretty. And it wasn't like, oh, you're smart and you can read and no one else can read. And that made me different too, is I could like read when I was three or whatever. And yeah. so when I was in kindergarten, I was reading Laura Ingalls Wilder and everyone else was learning to read. And so they would put me in a corner with my books and everyone else would do stuff as a group. So I think that my outsiderness kind of started then and it was the same kids in the class from kindergarten through like seventh grade so i was known as like the fat weird dork throughout Mm. that whole time and then teachers just i mean from year to year it was just part of that school and it was pretty sucked
1: but well also fuck any group that says you can't have ice cream (laughs) in general like
0: i know yeah
1: i mean and also graham crackers are not a consolation prize for ice cream i love graham crackers not a consolation prize for ice cream yeah yeah yeah. Um, okay. Anything else about your Danville growing up oh, that you God. want to talk well, about? I, mean, I can
0: talk about anything. It was awful. So, well, that was the beginning of when I was in kindergarten and all that stuff. I ended up having an eating disorder for okay. years. Okay. And I remember being like in third grade vacation Bible school. And I remember sitting in the chair and wearing shorts and putting my toes – being on my toes because I felt like when my legs were down, they spread out and they looked so fat. Okay. And so I was, like, in third grade, like, up on my toes, like, trying to make my thighs look skinnier. Shit. Which is such a weird thing for a third grader to be thinking no, about.
1: right. Right? Like – But I'm thinking about all the people who made you feel that way. Right? And the society – yeah, yeah.
0: So constant – and that was just – but I think Sad. that's just the – but that's the thing now is that it made me tougher, I guess, and I feel – Badly for snowflakes now that don't get bullied. Because did it make me a better person? Like right. maybe yeah. or not? I don't
1: know. Yeah, it builds defense. It's like, a, you know, right? You, you learn how to react and defend yourself. Right. You, you uh, Hopefully.
0: Well, no, we- I learned how to put on a mask and wear frosting because people uh, like okay. cake, but they like it better with frosting. <laughs> and just a lot of, a, a lot of vomiting because yeah. it's a rich girl's disease. Like I can't afford to be bulimic anymore because... I'm on food stamps, but right. like I didn't realize at the time that I was—it was really good for the economy because I was like four <laughs> times the consumer because I was consuming right. so much food, and then just not eating it. Yeah. And I mean, years—like thirteen years—I struggled with that. But wow. from early on, like—and right. it was this is the craziest thing—the thing that sparked it is I don't remember if you, if you remember different strokes. Oh yeah. So the older sister Dana Plato. Yeah. There was one episode where she had bulimia mm-hmm. and it was her birthday and there was a cake and she ate the whole cake and then she threw up and I watched that and I was like, oh, you can do that. Yes. That's such a good idea. Okay. And I knew that, I mean, I'm sure that they meant it to be like, don't do this. And I was like, what a fucking good idea. <laughs> you could eat a whole cake. Yeah. So a lot um, of my youth was around, was all that Jesus, eating disorders, looking right, being perfect, mm-hmm. trying to be this image of what.
1: Superficiality sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of that. Um, and also, you. so you, sounds like you grew up in the, mostly in the 80s, late yeah. 70s, 80s, yeah. early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might be the same age. Yeah. Born um, in 74. Oh, 73. Okay. We are we the same age. Hey. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk about leaving Danville. Okay. What was that like? Was it exciting? Did oh, you have a. yeah. Specific destinations in mind.
0: Yeah, so I um I applied to all the you know schools in high school. So this is funny. Ninety eight percent of my graduating high school class went to college. Wow, which is kind of insane.
1: That, yeah, I'm not surprised. It was going back to the other things we were talking about. Yeah,
0: everyone did. So I had a lot of choices and. Um, I had gotten to a lot of UC schools and my parents were like, go to Berkeley. You'll be so close. And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. I want to be as far away from this as possible. They were like, but you could come home on the weekends. and won't that. I was like, no. Yeah. So, um, I went to UC San Diego because I fell in love with it. It's just, it's so beautiful and Mm -hmm. the weather's perfect. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I just, I love the beach. I I don't know. And Mm -hmm. it's a great school and they had a great (laughs) theater program. So I went, I went to UC San Diego and then I did some acid for the first time and I saw God and he like fist bumped me and he, it was before fist he probably high-fived me but he was like we're fine. Oh good. He was like you don't don't worry all that stuff like it's like he's like you and me we're cool. Mm-hmm. All that other stuff just don't worry about it and just you be yourself it's cool. And mm. I was like, "Oh, thanks God. This is great." And so I started <laughs> yeah. So I I started dropping a lot of acid like in college I did stupid amount of acid. Okay. But I still got really great grades like and one of the things that I it's weird about just who I am the, the more the busier I am the better I do. Okay. And so one one it's a it was a quarter school in this one semester I took 36 units Whoa. which was like nine classes or something yeah. and I got a 4.0. Okay. And I was like I could do anything. And, and you're drinking, tripping the whole was, time. The <laughs> whole time I was just wow. like on acid but I love to read and I love learning and like I love college and yeah I just I'm I love school because it's the only place where you they tell you what they want and then when you do it they tell you you did well, hmm. and then you have feelings of like, ah, because then I learn in the real world nobody ever tells you when you do well. Then right. just, the haters come, in. the only way you know you're doing well is when everybody's like, you suck. Right? And it's right. like, well, wait a minute, I thought that you're supposed to tell me I'm doing well. Yeah. <laughs> and right, didn't I follow the rubric? <laughs> so I, I love, I love school.
1: And especially going, you went straight, no, no years in between, nope. just straight out of high school. Straight Not out. a lot of people I'm finding, who now who did that, will be like, I love school. There, a lot of people are like, oh, I wish I took some time off, or I only learned, loved, loved to learn, Learned to love learning later in life. Sure. But you liked it. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Was it because you were tripping the whole
0: time? Maybe. (laughs) Well, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't do that much acid in graduate school, but I did smoke a lot of pot. So, right. Because it's easier to understand poetry when you're high. Like if you read someone's poem and you're sober and you're like, I just don't know what they're saying. And then you smoke a little doobie, it's like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah. I get it.
1: So it's write drunk, edit sober, read high. Yes. Okay, yeah, got it. Exactly. <laughs> just adding yeah. read high to the end. Of
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I love, I'm, I don't want to sound like this fucking dilettante, but I love, I love reading. Yeah. I've, I just, it's like one of my favorite things to do.
1: That's okay. Yes, I, yes, that's a good thing. Um, uh, so you had mentioned, I, I want to talk about your your grad school and going to SF State, but I think before we talk about that, because you grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah. Do you remember your first time to come to San Francisco? Do you remember your early impressions of the city? This would have been probably in the late 70s, 80s. Yeah.
0: So I remember going in on the BART with my dad. He was taking me to work with him. And I was probably nine. But I know we'd been in the city earlier than that. Well, there's two stories. Okay, here's the one that I remember of us driving in. And it's really weird. Um, My grandmother's cousin was a nun here in San Francisco. Okay. And she died. And they made us all go to her wake. And it okay. was weird. And I was like six or seven. And it was hot in the car. And I remember going I remember going over what's now like the Geary to go down Fillmore. And then there we went like up another thing. And mm-hmm. like, so we we're down on like the deep and the by Richmond. Clement in the Richmond. yeah. And that there must have been a, there was a nunnery. I mean, I don't remember where, but I remember that. I remember being in the city and... It, Being like, okay, this is weird because there's no buildings at this part of the city. Right. And then there was a nunnery and there were all these nuns and there was a dead nun (laughs) and it was gross and they wanted me to kiss her. And I was like, I don't even know this lady. And then one nun, she like kneeled down and she's like, are you going to be a good little nun when you grow up? And I was like, no. And now I sort of regret that decision because then I would have had like... God take care of me, or I could have lived for free or something in the keep city in the and nine. not have to deal with men. It'd just be so much easier <laughs> to just love Jesus. Yeah. But I remember that as a child. But then also going in to my dad's work, which was downtown with all the big buildings. Mm-hmm. And mostly what I remember the questionably housed and seeing people sitting on the street with dogs and signs and asking my dad, like, I have changed. Can I? And he'd say, I've seen this guy for 10 years. Mm. And he'd keep walking. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, but they, they're, and he's like, if you're going to do something, buy him dog food. And I was like, hmm. okay. But so that's what I remember was hap- feeling feelings for people that were clearly indigent in some way. Right. And my dad being like, just step over and don't worry about it. They've hmm. been here forever, this is their choice. And yeah. I was like,
1: oh, that, okay. Yeah, that callousness that's pervasive, unfortunately. For,
0: but it's the Vietnam, it was. I mean, it's, and you'd think that that particular age group would have a heart because right. most of the people on the street were from Vietnam and right. Vietnam vets and they'd serve the country right. and everyone wants you to serve the country, but then they don't want to take care of you after. Afterwards, and yeah. then that whole Reagan thing where he dumped out oh. all the mental institutions and just threw them all in the street in San mm-hmm. Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then our question will how his population just exploded and nothing. We didn't.
1: Yeah. And so
0: my dad came in every day. He drove the van pool and sometimes we'd drive in with him in the van pool and that mm-hmm. was super cool. Mm-hmm um what
1: about fun trips so not funerals and not your dad's work did you do fun
0: stuff in the city um no that was mostly oakland so okay we can get, talk about oakland yeah we'd get char charsu bao yes. from chinatown in oh, oakland yeah. God. and yeah we that had sounds a, really good right <laughs> now <laughs> well and we'd get we'd get like six steamed and six baked yeah and in the in the, on the way home, it'd be like, okay, everyone gets three of them. You can save them for later, or you can eat yours now. And then someone would always eat an extra one, and it was always like, I only got two. But we went to <laughs> we went to Fairyland a lot as a child. Yeah. And did the whole key, the little yellow key in the box, and like sitting in front and listening to the stories and the, all that stuff, and the little petting zoo. I remember that from being little. Nice. Um, and the Oakland Zoo, we did that way more than the same Because my parents, I think, were afraid to bring us into the city because they, mm. especially with my dad working on 5th, he thought it was just dirty and gross. And it's so funny that like, I live so close to there. Right. I love <laughs> it. Right. And I'm like, no, 6th you're... Street, I'm not afraid. Like, yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, so I have more memories of Oakland. More but, fun.
1: More fun. Memories. Fun time.
0: But like, I mean, Danville was just, we lived on a cul-de-sac and we played oh. kickball yeah. until the sun went down, you know. And, yeah. And um, it was a lot of just church trips but that was all out to the that was all out to like the delta and stuff and okay and i we did trips to the redwoods like in santa cruz a lot when i was a kid spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in the redwoods so that was mm-hmm. nature
1: camping like or uh summer christian trips. summer camps yeah okay yeah, camp yeah yeah okay. christian
0: summer camp from fourth grade all the way through high school like yeah praying to jesus out in the woods all that kind of fun stuff <laughs> right yeah a lot of singing songs to god
1: uh as opposed to fist bumping or high fiving, and right, Yeah, a, yeah.
0: But although being out in the, I mean, it is religion is almost a hallucinatory thing oh, because sure. you do you're praying to some hallucination. I mean, in your mind, you have an image, mm-hmm. and is that not a hallucination mm-hmm. of something that I don't know pictorially has been passed down? Yeah, I and mean, I think I think a lot about God. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, our construct of God or whatever.
1: Right. Well, you you met him in a in a trip. I so. met him, yeah. Yes, so in, a, you, in a large disco ball, yeah, like inside
0: yeah. a disco. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yay, God.
1: So I guess let's go back to Lee. Um, so you graduated from UC San Diego. Graduated from UC
0: San Diego and in what then? 1996. Okay. And then I moved back up here to Davis, and I. Got a teaching credential. Oh, cool. So I lived with my my now ex-husband. He went to veterinary school at Davis. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what to do after college because I had a theater degree. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So I got a teaching credential. And I taught in Woodland for a couple of years. I taught at group homes. I did special ed. Um, And then – Did you like it? Did you like teaching? I – you know – I loved special ed. Regular education was really difficult even yeah. back then. Yeah. A lot of entitled kids and parents, and it was difficult. But special ed's amazing mm-hmm. because th- a lot of times the parents weren't even in the picture. So right. you just had a relationship with the kid, and you could – And I mean, back then they called it severely emotionally disturbed. But now they took the S off because they found it stigmatizing. Mm. So it's just emotionally disturbed mm-hmm. students. But I really enjoyed that because I felt like I was making a difference, and I was young, and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. But I taught for four years. And then I I wanted to get into graduate school, and I realized I, I can't be a teacher and get into theater graduate school. I need to do theater. So I quit my teaching job, and I started a theater company. Up in? Down in San Diego. Down in San so Diego. So we were up in Davis, and I did a bunch of uh, theater with – uh, Woodland Opera House and a lot of community theater and worked with them for a while. And then my we got my ex-husband got a job as a veterinarian in San Diego, so we moved down there. And that's when I became like a bourgeois housewife. Oh. And we bought a house, and we had a Lexus, and we had a wow. BMW, and we had a... What other car did we have? We also had a Ford Explorer. We had you know, two dogs and two cats in a spa overlooking the canyon. Two
1: people, three cars. Right,
0: two people, three cars. Yeah, yeah and, okay. Uh, two people four bedrooms, and we thought our house was small. And I was like, oh, we are just, we downsized from our other house in Vista. What would he do? But, um, (laughs) so yeah, we lived, I had this ex-husband thing, and I had a theater company, and then my ex, my husband's, my ex-husband's, my ex-mother-in-law, she was like, why don't you get a real job? So I quit my theater job, and, because I had been applying to graduate school, and I wasn't getting in. I wanted Mm. to go to UC San Diego, and they finally, Les Waters was the guy who let people in. He's the Cousin of Roger Waters. Anyways. Oh. And he said, you're never going to get in here. You have to go away. He was like, go to Pennsylvania and you can mm. come back. Go somewhere else. But he's like, you went here for undergrad. We just right. – we want we want our program. We only like, accept two a year. It's it's not you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, But <laughs> everything works out for a reason, so it's fine. But I – so I quit my – theater company thing and I started working for Ethan Allen and oh I was, I was a visual merchandiser insurance. what do they do I'm, they sell I furniture
1: the furniture right <laughs> insurance yeah,
0: yeah and I so I was a visual merchandiser so I was basically like a high paid set designer because I had this big store and I was like I'm a set designer this somewhat is so somewhat creative fun. yeah super creative yeah. but also cog in a corporate wheel of consumerism right and then I stopped taking birth control because I thought I wanted to get pregnant with my husband, and I realized that birth control is a systematic calling of critical thought from women's brains. Because I wrote a novel in six weeks. Okay. Like I got off birth control, and I wrote a you novel. You gave in birth six weeks. to a novel. Exactly, Fuck and I was yeah. like, "What happened?" And I started being really creative again. Fiction or? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I wrote a, I wrote a novel, and um, and then I was like, "I think I want to go to graduate school for writing." Yeah. And then I quit my job, left my husband, and got a DUI, like, in the same month yes. in 2007. And then I won a free ticket to Burning Man to be a chef. And then at <laughs> Burning Man, they were like, they were like, you should move to San Francisco. And I realized there's really no reason for me to be in San Diego. I can't drive anymore. I, I can't substitute teach. I can't get to any of my work, any things. Right. I don't know what to do. So I just... To San Francisco and that, that so, so
1: now looking for a grad school is a little different because you're looking for a writing program well, versus theater, right? Right, exactly. So, yeah.
0: into the after I wrote that novel, I was like, ooh, I need to go to graduate school for writing. And I met some girl outside of a bar, and she was like, You should go to San Francisco State, they've got a great program, look into it. And then I looked at home, I was like, Oh my god, they do, yeah. So, I moved to San Francisco.
1: What year was that?
0: 2007, okay. And then I applied during that year for 2008, and I got in, I couldn't believe it, nice. so I got in for fiction. And I did the two-year program in fiction. And then I was like, I'm not done with this. I love writing. I'm going to get my MFA in poetry. So I applied to continue on and get my MFA in poetry. Nice. And I was doing all these open mics, and I was doing all these things. In the, ta- in the city? Oh, in San Francisco, everywhere. Name drops
1: some places that well, you there. Well, the old amnesia. I yeah. used to do
0: tons of poetry readings and amnesia. I got nice. the opportunity to work with, so, I mean, so many. Forum from C- CCSF, their um, publication is so beautiful, and oh, they yeah. do all of these shows. I've written for I, them. Aren't they amazing? I love form, and they fifteen put years the, ago. They or something. put the pictures next to the poems, and nice. I love I love form so much, and yeah. they were doing shows, and um, so I got to read with them, and through the lit the lit crawl, lit smash, all that Litquake. stuff, the quake lit quake, and I got to read for that a bunch, and work with CCSF and their poetry center, blah 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 nice. But then in 2011, I was still in poetry school, and I was like there's not enough stage time here. Mm. And so I realized at the open mic I was doing at Amnesia, there were comedians. Mm. And I knew some of them from here, from doing radio at Mm. Mutiny Radio. And they were like, you know, five punchlines is three minutes. Why don't you try it? Like Mm. you do poetry, like why not just do this instead? And I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. So five punchlines and it was three minutes and I went up at Amnesia and that was July 17th, 2011.
1: Was it a different were you in a different mindset like was h- h- how different was reciting poetry versus doing comedy they're,
0: they're exactly the same thing okay. um, they're crafting language to elicit, elicit in a remo- a re- an emotional response, response. Yeah. so poetry is just You know, like the poem about my third abortion is boring, but the joke about my third abortion is hilarious. (laughs) So it's like, so it depends. And with poetry, oftentimes, even at amnesia, I'd be like, if I take my shirt off, will you listen to my poem? And people will be like, yes. So I take my shirt off and in my bra, just like recite poetry. Nice. So people thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty easy transition. And there's so much more stage time in comedy. Did you make kids
1: laugh or like your family laugh when you were a kid? Or was huh? this was this like spontaneous comedy had entered your life?
0: Well, I mean, I've always like I've always been the outsider, and I've always had to deal with. I mean, you deal with trauma through humor, or at least mm-hmm. I did, or by being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Cheerleading was great because I people were looking at me, and I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I tried to tell stories as a child, but usually I was sort of shamed. Like sh- children should should be seen and not heard, right? Or
1: you know, Shut up, kid. Have a graham cracker. Right. I yeah. wanted to
0: tell jokes and stories and be on stage. I was a, I, I was a ballerina for 23 years. And okay. I was classically trained in piano for 13 years. So I performed in more traditional classical ways. Right. right, right, um, right, But give me a microphone and have people laugh. Because I'd rather laugh at myself before anyone else could laugh at me. Okay. So Fair enough. that's kind of the way that – that Happened
1: so your story about getting started in comedy, though you mentioned that you had you knew people from can yeah, we go, can we go back a little bit? Sure, um, um, and talk about what is this place and right. this thing so, that we're doing right um, now. Um,
0: I joined the, when it was Pirate I joined in 2008 and I was on a show with Diamond Dave Whitaker who did Common Thread mm-hmm. and I'd read short stories. Mm-hmm. And then after a couple of months, it was so disorganized, and I was like, hey man, you know, I could stage manage. Your show for you, and he's like, Oh, "That'll be great! I ah, think that'll be, that'll be incredible." Because I'd run boards because I'd done theater for so long and right. I'd stage managed so many shows, blah blah blah. So I started stage managing a show, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love this! I love radio! I love microphones!" And then I got my own show, and I was doing lots of things here and performing, and a lot of poetry and spoken word, blah blah blah. And then. In 2011, we had to kick out the guy who was running the place because he fled the country and he'd embezzled some money. Mm. And then the FCC had come down on us because we had an illegal terrestrial tower, so we mm. were broadcasting illegally. Mm-hmm. But we thought that under the FCC guidelines of 1942, that if you're at a time of war, you can have a shortwave tower. But I
1: mean, like, America's always at war, so but we're we good. But we were
0: in operations and skirmishes, so once he said mission uh. accomplished, th- the Anthony Bourdain thing happened, and he came here, and then, like, we got a lot of press, and then the FCC came after us and tried to fine us $10,000. So what happened yeah. was we changed to Mutiny Radio because we're like, I don't know what Pirate Cat was. There's no fine. Yeah, we're are none of us it? or What's them. That? Who are yeah. yeah. they? Yeah. So in 2011, Pirate Cat became Mutiny, okay. and it was run by, like, a board of people. Okay. And then in 2013, they were all like, fuck this shit. We're out. Oh. And I said, no, no, no. This is. I've started comedy now. And without this place doing my open mics, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I need this place. Yeah. And they're like, well, good luck. So I wrote – I wrote a business plan, and okay. I brought it to the group, and I was like, I'll take it over. And they hmm. were like, okay. Hmm. So in 2013- You,
1: by yourself? By myself, yeah. Okay.
0: So there were five people running it, and then in 2013, I was like, I'll just run it. And now it's 2021, 20, and it still exists. Awesome. So that's that.
1: Can we talk quickly about the Bourdain thing?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I just watched the the documentary that's coming out oh. next month, Roadrunner. Um so for me, this is timely. Um, and I actually forgot until you just mentioned it, that he came to the cafe, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And he, he had a bacon maple latte. And he, you know, talked into, not that particular microphone. We have new microphones now. But he sat in a chair like that right mm-hmm, there and mm-hmm. um, was interviewed. And then it was on the TV. And it was crazy. And Was um, it cool?
1: Were you here for that? No, I wasn't invited. Oh, okay. I wasn't
0: part of the cool group. But, oh, um,
1: got it. Okay, okay, okay. I was
0: here when jo- um, George, um, not, um, the punk parliament p-funk george, clinton. george clinton was here Came i was on. here for that i awesome. gave him some pop brownies he ate <laughs> Fuck and yes. that was awesome I was like i gave him pop brownies, and the one of the people was like are you sure he's performing tonight and i was like this george clinton it's, smokes crack like yeah. these two pop brownies are gonna <laughs> yeah. do nothing to this man <laughs> right. but uh yeah so anthony bourdain was here and uh, i mean it's exciting there's a lot of people have been through this building i got to interview um paul mooney once on the phone nice. so that was R. exciting P. And, yeah, I mean, everybody. Well, and Anthony Bourdain, R.I.P. Super, like, sad.
1: Yes. <sighs> the documentary everything. is um, is really good. Uh, watch it. I watch it. It's a lot, you know, it's, like, biographical, so it wasn't rough for an hour and 20 minutes, and then it goes into the last two years of his life. Oh. I it think it's waterworks. Oh. Yeah. I'll
0: watch it. I love um, that guy. I love all his books. He was an incredible writer.
1: Totally. But the, the good thing about the documentary, I don't want to, Take us too far down that road but is that it has the people from his life are in it wow so right not that she's in it but not like uh in the like it's footage sure she's not interviewed but atavia and all that stuff um way off on a no, tangent now so
0: yeah so now like I, we made it through the pandemic i was doing outdoor shows and we still are ask. i love parklets i've yeah. got a bunch of weekly shows, and um, I've had five comedy festivals here. The last one was in 2020, right before the pandemic, like a week before the shutdown. Awesome. And so I'm gonna, I'm excited. I can bring it back in October, mm-hmm. uh, the 10th through the 16th. But this time I'm going to do it at all the new venues I have because I gained so many outdoor venues through the pandemic and. I'm really excited.
1: Do you want to tell folks where those are?
0: Yeah. uh, Every Wednesday at 7.30, we do a show with Asiento, which is a half a block from here. Mm -hmm. And Debbie of Asiento is amazing. Another small business owner that made it through COVID. Awesome. And then Saturdays at 2 o'clock at Atlas, which is a block from Mm -hmm. us in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And same thing. um, They made it through. Yes. And it's incredible. So happy. They have amazing sandwiches. And then the bar at Dolores, which is on 29th and Dolores. I do shows with them on Thursdays and the last Sunday of the month. Awesome. And, oh, um, place. yeah, and I'm going to be, I'm going to hopefully be working with El Rio and then I just talked to the owner of OMG cause he just opened for cash and he was like, I want to be in the festival. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. of course. Oh my God, that will be so great. Awesome. So they're, they're back open, which is exciting.
1: And the festival you said is in October? It's going
0: to be October 10th through 16th, I believe this year. Okay. Yeah. I I'm might just be getting married then.
1: that week, but ooh, I'll ooh, do my best. Thank you. I'll be, do my best to come to yeah. see that. Yeah. I got,
0: I got my first STD from my first marriage. Okay. Yeah, sexually transmitted debt. (laughs) <laughs> that's what you get that's what you get when you get married good luck it's fun or maybe the kids these days are progressive they call them STIs Uh-oh. so maybe it's more sexually transmitted income income yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. So this will
1: be my third and my and my fiance's first so she's like third time's a charm Yay! I hope I hope congratulations um, thank you
0: we have like three minutes and then I have to start another show okay well then perfect joke workshop so that's the other thing we do at the station is on Mondays at 6 o'clock uh, there's joke workshop where I run it like a graduate school poetry thing except Mm -hmm. that it's jokes Mm -hmm. so comedians do four minutes and then they get four minutes of commentary from their peers and then it's an open mic and then we also do Fridays at six o'clock and it's a contest where comedians do four minutes and I invite audience to be judges and then they judge the comedians and their five favorites all get booked shows with like paid food and drink and money and the whole deal so
1: how cool Little
0: are here for the community and to it's tell super fun.
1: My fiance, she she's between jobs and uh, she wants to, she's like always wanted to do comedy. Ah, I tell, come tell her to come here. I'm Right
0: here. Tell her to come to Community Radio.
1: Okay, a couple of minutes. So, what I want to end on is what do you think of San Francisco? I mean, we're on literally the cusp. Tomorrow is Tomorrow. when California opens. Yeah. What are your kind of hopes and visions for, for what San Francisco can be moving forward?
0: Oh my gosh. I hope that. The San Francisco UBI that's funding a bunch of artists can continue and expand and be able to fund more artists so that we can value art as a a monetary resource instead of putting all of our money into tech and realize that that art is important Mm -hmm. and that artists, that is a job Mm -hmm. and that our work does have value and as people we have value and to to give us the opportunity to create that's I'm sorry we have to create I'm sorry I can't be in insurance I have to create right but we should respect artists and and value their gifts monetarily and if I could see that going forward in San Francisco I'd be so happy bands everybody i remember oh, i love all the bands i love floating gold. i love all the metal bands oh i'm so excited we're going to get back. like i get to see Shows, metal again yes. show like yes <laughs> yes so but all of the, the, the bands and the visual artists and the comedians and the, I mean, even karaoke goddesses, mm-hmm. just everyone to be able to express themselves again. I hope that that can come back.
1: That was Pam Benjamin. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, we've got some extra special guests for you. Meet the Curtis family C-Notes in episode 16 next Tuesday. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season... We have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.